Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rivalries, do rivalries mean anything to you? I mean, Dallas, the Giants, obviously two rivalries. Does that mean any more or is this just being a playoff game? Well, whenever you have familiarity with the team and, you know, there's there's a little bit more of a... Oh, there's a little bit more to it when it's an in-division opponent, I think. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we really try to keep the focus on ourselves. Uh, you know, you, you got to know your opponent, you got to understand your opponent, you got to understand the game plan, all the things that go into that. But, uh, you know, we really try and focus on ourselves and make sure that we're ready to go and um, try and not focus too much on other stuff. Jason Kelsey, not as famous as Travis because he doesn't catch passes, he blocks. But he's really, really good. Center for the Eagles. They host the Giants in game two of the doubleheader on Saturday. We'll be previewing that game coming up in just a few minutes. Welcome back, Grant and Danny on the fan. All right, let's rank the four games of the weekend, one to four, best to worst. Definition of best to worst, I'm thinking entertainment, competitiveness, mm. closest, You know, come down to the final minutes. All of those things kind of rolled into one. Let's go in order, starting with number one, the best game of the weekend for Danny Ruiz. So the way I thought of it was my own entertainment. All those things that you mentioned, and do I have a passionate hatred for the teams involved? That's going to lower my score uh, for this exercise. Number one for me, Cincy and Buffalo. We were robbed of it uh, a couple weeks ago. That was shaping up to be an amazing game. We all know what happened for good reason. This will be the first time they match up since then, of course. Uh these two teams have been on a collision course. Buffalo has been awesome. They were the preseason favorite through everything. Cincinnati, since they got off to that rough start, have been great in their own right. These two quarterbacks are outstanding. It's the best matchup in that regard. Give me that game all day. So I'm going to go Cowboys 49ers for my number one game. Dallas, playing like it did against Tampa, will beat San Francisco or be really close to beating San Francisco. I am suddenly fascinated. I flushed the Washington game. I know most people weren't able to. And going into last weekend, my point was, we're talking way too much about Week 18. All year long, we all agreed Dallas would be the five seed, and they would bludgeon a four seed out of the NFC South. Why are we changing our minds? The Bucs are still the Bucs. They're still not good. They still can't throw or run. What are we talking about? Dallas is about to level up. In the same way that the Giants, who got the Vikings in round one, now have to deal with the Eagles, who... Handled Minnesota with ease early in the season. The Cowboys are about to play probably the best team in football over the last two and a half months or so in San Francisco. That's my number one game. 
It edges out my number two game of Bengals-Bills. We just talked about this. Burrow and Allen, two of the three best quarterbacks in the league. Both these offenses are wide open. You're going to see a ton of throwing the football, which is fun. I think you'd get a bunch of overs and player props and, and in game total as well, potentially. I do worry about the Cincinnati offensive line and maybe Buffalo being able to pull away because of that. But it's a five-and-a-half-point line, which I think is about right, as silly as that sounds, you know, based on some of those Bengals injuries. But I can't wait for this game. Hipster pick for my number two game. Jacksonville at Kansas City. Wow. Here's why. I'm going to have so much fun with whomever wins. Kansas City wins. Oh, my God, that's five straight AFC title games. I got to watch Pat Mahomes probably turn into masterpiece. Andy Reid will have his team doing ring around the rosy pocket full of posies on some sort of goal line play to score a touchdown with, like, nine shuttle passes or shovel passes really involved. And if Jack- That play was awesome, by the way. If Jacksonville wins, the Jaguars, the number one pick in the draft this year— because they were a joke last year, or go to the AFC title game. Again, good quarterback play. Either story is compelling to me. It's fun. I don't hate either team. I'm intrigued by that matchup. Let me see that one. Why don't teams do the ring around the rosy bit? And I don't mean specifically that act where you got in the huddle and did a circle, uh-huh. but just weird, crazy, fun stuff that have never been seen before. Because there's, there's, there's a spectrum. Yeah, there's a spectrum. It's on one end, it's wishbone... You know, or like I formation straight power back, you know, 1950s football. And on the other end, it's like swinging gate. You know what I mean? Like sometimes there's a formation that's really weird, swinging gate happens. There's there's cool stuff in between, right? But I'm with you. I think people should be more adventurous. But I think here's the answer. I think teams don't do that because you're not allowed to unless you're the Chiefs. Maybe the Bills. Fear. Like, there is a jacket you get to wear when you're in the players only club or whatever. Mm-hmm. There is a rope you're allowed to go behind as a VIP. Kansas City and Andy Reid, you're in. I would even say Buffalo, and I know it's just Ken Dorsey as their OC, but based on Allen and how good they've been and how fun they are, they're in. If Kyle Shanahan does the ring around the rosy play and it doesn't work, even though he's the best play designer and play caller in the league. I think he gets crushed for it. Like, can you imagine if Dallas tried that this weekend? Well, and that's the point. You know what I mean? If yeah. Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore do a ring around the rosy play for the Cowboys and it doesn't work, they're the laughing stock of the league because all the Twitter experts are going to just poke fun at them. Can you imagine if Scott Turner went deep into his bag <laughs> and Washington came out and did ring around the rosy and then Heineke dropped back to try to throw a touchdown pass, gets destroyed and fumbles? Our, our phone lines would incinerate. That, that would Monday. be the swinging gate play uh-huh. of this era. Right. We, that, that people would talk about that play when Scott Turner's name came up for 10 years. And I think because of that, guys like Scott Turner just tabled any idea they might have. Mm-hmm. So am I in a position where I can get really cute and really creative and try something innovative and crazy? Or will people just tell me I'm an idiot if it doesn't work? And in the same way you talk about head coaches sometimes – Coaching for fear of the press conference. That's right. I think coordinators design call plays in fear of basically the the, the media and the fans. Right. I, I really believe that's a thing. And so, on fourth and a foot, you you get your shoving pushing match because God forbid you run outside and don't get it on a pitch. Then you what you can do You'll when, never hear the end of it. Well, when that happens, by the way, is when they don't get it. You can't get a yard toughness. You can't push a yard. You can't get a foot. It's, it's a player Where thing. was all the screaming 
about the wide run on fourth and a foot by the Jaguars when Doug Peterson was loited as a hero uh-huh. and a genius. By the way, I loved the call. Yeah, of course. But I also love a lot of calls that don't work, unlike people who only like the calls that work. But you know the play I'm talking about. Of course about. I do, yeah. It's fourth down and the game, The basically. whole world thinks it's going up the middle pushing contest. Absolutely. The Jaguars are at the line of scrimmage. Timeout gets called. They come out. They line up as if they're doing a dive, and they run kind of like a counter, slow-developing play way out wide. They get one-on-one with Travis Etienne on Asante Samuel at corner. He's got one guy to miss, uh, to miss and he, get, he wins the edge, and he gets upfield and gets in a field goal range. And everyone talked about how amazing the call was. If Scott Turner called that play and it didn't work, it's the Jonathan Williams pitch all over again. It's full lines for yeah. two days. Mm-hmm. It, it's just funny how if you're Andy Reid, you get to try things and do crazy things at the goal line too. I think Andy Reid is the best play designer inside the five yard line of all time. Nobody does more interesting, wacky, crazy things than Andy Reid. Nobody. I mean, there, there is no second place. It's, yeah, it's just shovel passes it, to linemen. It's all sorts insane. of crazy stuff. But it works at it. I'd say like an eighty percent clip, probably, which is nice. It's got that going for him. But no one else even has the balls, the balls to try it because they don't get to. I really think that's a part of it. I do too. Did you see the uh, Broncos lineman? That they had like an O lineman. I thought this was the funniest thing in the world. Let me see if I can send this to Darius. Completely uninvolved in that ring around the rosy play. This Broncos lineman on on like tear down your locker day at the at the facility, the next day was talking about that play. He like watched it and he's like, I just want to beat the Chiefs next year. It's like I hate those guys so much. He was so mad that they ran that play in the NFL because it was just not what you're supposed to do, basically. Wow. And it he's just like, dude, your your season's over, your coach got fired, you have nothing to do with anything. But he was like, I just want to beat the Chiefs. I've been telling you guys for two years. They suck. You know, I want to beat them. I, that ring around the pro- rosy play was a joke. Like, that's what you get in this league. I think, I, listen, we, we've we've come a long way, but you still have so many people involved in the game that are hat on a hat, Harry's. Right? There's still people commenting on the game. There's still people weighing in with their expert opinion on the game that it's about, you know, Oklahoma drill and bull in the ring and he, he just got his bell rung and let's play through it. We've come a long way. We're better than we were before, but you still have some of it. And you still have some of those guys out in the world influencing the younger players when they come up. Okay? Now, the corollary with that is with some of the new school ideas and thoughts, there's things that I don't enjoy. Right? I don't enjoy like every play that results in a forward progress is a choreographed dance, and every time there's a turnover, everybody has to run down and do the same, like we're in a posing for a picture, and we're going to prom, and all the other kind of stuff. But still, I love football. But as we advance further and further, fewer and fewer of the of the, of the the dinosaurs will be involved in mentoring and teaching the game and building it up that way. I think we'll sort of realize that it's okay, that there's a degree of fun and a creativity that's allowed in football. It's okay to have a little fun. Darius, I'm sending this tweet right now to the uh, show uh, Twitter, and I, I need you to play this. Uh, listen to it first. Make sure he doesn't curse. But I, I saw it's, it, it. it is the most – it's exactly what bothers me about the NFL. <laughs> like, this dude is just so mad. He, he said, the Chiefs' little ring around a rosy play pissed me off. Who are you? And I'm not trying to be disrespectful to this guy, but I don't mean literally who are you. I mean, they weren't playing you, dummy. What do you have to do with anything? Why Why did that bother you? 
that has nothing to do with you. They're playing the Raiders. You're a Bronco. You were on the field during that. And it's literally like locker cleanout day the next day. Uh, this is the cut. I just think it's the funniest thing in the world. Um, I said it before. I'm, I'm sick of losing to the Chiefs. That is like my number one goal that I'm like, have like looking at every day is I really want to beat them. Um, I'm going to say it because it's, it's one on my, on my chest. The fact that they did that little ring around a rosy play against the Raiders like genuinely like, like pissed me off. And I'm, I'm just excited for that, for that day and for that moment. And that's one of the things that I'm preparing for going into next year. Genuinely pissed me off. So I, if he just stopped at, I really want to beat the Chiefs. Of course. Sick losing to those guys. That that I I would go, yes, young man. I get it. You're you're tired of being bullied. They've been a juggernaut for probably your whole career. I don't know how old that guy is. I don't know how, how long he's been around. But I'd say, yes, that makes perfect sense. The same way I would have loved to have heard a national at spring training in like 2012. I'm sick of losing to the Phillies, dude. I'm sick of seeing their fans in our ballpark. I'm tired of that. I want to beat those guys. Here's me standing up and clapping. I'm doing the Joker when Commissioner Gordon gets the, gets the big chair. I'm doing that big clap I'm in your face. Bothered by creativity and innovation. The second part, you lose me. You lose. You lose. I'm old so Danny sick Ruggie and tired of these guys doing fun things that are cool for fans to see. Innovation. They should be lining up in the 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 power eye and running straight downhill. All right, let's get a little NFC East preview in for you. Giants, Ugh. Eagles in Philadelphia. On Saturday night. Third time these two teams will play this season. They just played in week 18. Wouldn't take a lot out of that game because the Giants didn't play their starters. They were down 18 to nothing at the half and then battled back. But these two teams did play in week 14, Danny. And in that game, Philly destroyed New York. 48-22. Mm-hmm. The Eagles in that game ran for 253 yards. Gained 437 total. Jalen Hurts was exceptional. Might have been the last time, frankly, that Jalen Hurts played like MVP Jalen Hurts from this year because he would soon struggle against the Bears and get hurt and be out for an extended period. In that game, the Eagles held Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones to 54 rushing yards. And if you do that, you beat the Giants. Really, if you do that, you embarrass the Giants, and and that's what they did. Those guys combining for just 50 yards, because they don't have the receivers to throw the ball like they would need to to thrive if they're not running it. Hurts, as I mentioned, struggling lately. Either not playing in Rusty or against the Bears or against the Giants, just not quite at the level he was early in the season. I think it's fair to say after the Giants' performance against Minnesota, while the Eagles were resting, lost two of their final three without Hurts, the gap has definitely closed between the Giants and the Eagles since Week 14. You'd say so, right? I think that's a, a, a fair to say, as Coach Tom Sula likes to tell us. But Philly only lost one game all year with Hurts at quarterback. It was on a Monday night at Lincoln Financial Field. I can't remember who, who they played. Who was that against? Who was it? I can't remember. I can't, I'll never remember that. That was when things were looking up. Remember up? I do. <laughs> it was better then. Yeah, I mean, this this to me, again, is on paper, it's very clear. Philadelphia's the better team. They're better in every facet. They've got better players at every position that matters, maybe with the exception of Dexter Lawrence, who we'll get to in a moment. But Philadelphia's got what you want in terms of pass rush. They create an outrageous number of sacks, mainly from their defensive linemen. They're good uh, defending the pass. They're good on offense. They've got weapons at every level. Their quarterback is a weapon. You've got a good running game. You've got A.J. Brown. You've got Devontae Smith. How do you want to get destroyed today? What what? Choose your poison. And yet... Here comes New York, under-talented, but all together. They are playing better than the sum of their parts, and they are dangerous. That's Brian Dable. That's coaching. Daniel Jones, 300 yards, 8 yards per attempt, passing in his playoff debut against the Vikings last week. 
because of that, his receivers are feeling it. Isaiah Hodgins, Richie James, and uh, Darius Slayton lead that receiving core. Wide receivers coming on, including Hodgins, based on last week, who had a touchdown for the fifth time in six games. Nine targets, eight catches, and 100 yards against the Vikings. And now they got to go toe-to-toe with Darius Slay and James Bradbury. Darius Slay versus Darius Slayton is a difficult thing to say. Slaver Slayton. Um, but that's going to be happening. By the way, James Bradbury, the former Giant, who they let go before the season started, who went to Philadelphia, who kicked butt this year. Second-team All-Pro, outstanding corner. Jones' quarterback rating, 110 or better last two games. He's had three straight really good games coming in, so he is playing with confidence. This is the toughest test of his season, in my opinion. Eagles allowed 6.5 yards per carry to quarterbacks this year. 31st in the NFL. I'm going to say that again. Daniel Jones can run. The Eagles bugaboo defensively. They allow yards to quarterbacks on the ground. 6.5 a pop. Only one team was worse at defending running quarterbacks this season than Philly. So expect some design keepers for Daniel Jones, who ran for 80-plus against the Vikings. Barkley out of the backfield could be a problem for Philly as well. They are really bad against running backs in the passing game. 95.2 rating allowed to running backs this season. A struggle for them. Barkley coming off five grabs, 56 yards against the Vikings. If Philadelphia gets off to a hot start, which will be tough considering the layoff and they haven't really played together as a, as a complete team for, you know, seems like more than a month. But if they do, that makes the Giants more one-dimensional. We'll be fascinated to see if the Giants are able to kind of creep back into it, whether it's via Daniel Jones's legs, escaping some of that vaunted pass rush of Philadelphia or otherwise. But if the Giants can do what they've done and down the stretch here, especially once they kind of recovered as they staggered the middle of the year, when things kind of caught up to them, you could turn this into a rock fight, into a one-possession game throughout. The longer they're around, the more dangerous they are. Eagles number one in sacks, 70 on the season. 70. Number two in pressure rate. Seven sacks of Daniel Jones when they played the Giants in Week 14. Now they get Robert Quinn back healthy. He's going to play in this game. He's the sixth-best rusher on this team. Yep. Seriously. Oh, ser- no, it's not hyperbolic. It's they're, Here are the other guys. Hassan Reddick, Javon Hargrave, Josh Wett, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. Sorry. Fletcher Cox, seven sacks. Javon Hargrave, 11. That's 18 from your defensive tackles. Not too shabby. Hassan Reddick, 16. Josh Sweat, 11. Brandon Graham, 11 off the edge. And they're going to be going, at times, taking turns against Evan Neal, who is not good. Evan Neal was a first-round pick out of Alabama, seventh overall selection by the Giants this year. Evan Neal, out of 72 tackles this year via PFF, graded 71st. He scuffled last week against Minnesota as well. Philly defense, number one in yards per play much of the season. Fourth most interceptions. Third in yards per attempt, third in quarterback rating allowed. They do a good job. Giants are going to have their hands full a week after getting the gift of the Vikings. Other side of the ball for the Eagles offensively. Number three in scoring, number four on third down, number three in the red zone. Passing game is prolific. This is something I'm going to bring up the next time we do our, our little debate on the commanders and should they run or can they run or Greg Roman. A lot of people, and you've been making the case that essentially you shouldn't waste these wide receivers. The Eagles traded for A.J. Brown. They drafted Devontae Smith in the first round. They're going to pay Jalen Hurts, and they run it way more than they throw it. They are a run-dominant team. Guess what happened this year? Their wide receivers had huge numbers. A.J. Brown, 88 for 1496 and 11 touchdowns. Devontae Smith, 95 for 1196 and 7 touchdowns. Because you're a run-first team does not mean you don't use your wide receivers. Both are true. You can run the ball and have big games and play action like Brown and Smith did all year. And you don't have to have seven guys catching passes. 
You feed the ball to Brown. You feed the ball to Smith. You feed the ball to the tight end in the middle of the field, Goddard. 700 yards in 12 games this year. Facing a defense that TJ Hawkinson went for 129 against this past week. Oh, by the way. But the Eagles, they were number 23 in the NFL in pass attempts this year. Number three in rush attempts. And their wide receivers both had huge seasons. Hurts, 760 rushing yards, 4.6 a pop, 13 touchdowns on the ground. Giants are 28th at defending running quarterbacks, 5.5 per carry. Can they make Hurts throw the ball? That is my question, Danny. Can they essentially force the Eagles into obvious passing downs? That's where Hurts becomes much more pedestrian. And can they make him make a mistake? He threw just six interceptions all season long. To me, what I worry about if I'm a Giants fan is can we limit the big plays? Right? Can we limit the catch and run from Devontae Smith where he's in space and he just goes by everybody? A.J. Brown mossing somebody for 30, 40, 50 yards, etc. If I can eliminate the big plays, keep everything in front, I feel like I've got a chance. Now, it doesn't guarantee anything because Philadelphia, if they're on, they'll do what you're talking about. They'll, they'll tic-tac you to death. They'll go underneath the Goddard. They'll run very well, both with Hertz and with Miles Sanders. To me, though, it's about eliminating the big plays, keeping everything in front of me. Maybe I've got a better shot. Giants blitz 44% of the time, number one in the NFL. Yeah. That's a lot, man. Would you expect them to do that this weekend? No. I don't think you can do that as often against a quarterback as fast as Hurts. Because mm-hmm. if you miss, you're in trouble. Uh, but I will say this. They got 11 pressures on Kirk Cousins and no sacks. One thing Kirk's great at, never gets credit for, it's hard to sack him. He gets the ball out yeah, fast. Throw it away, he knows yeah. where he's going. Throws the ball away. 11 pressures without a sack. You get 11 pressures on Jalen Hurts, you're going to have three or four sacks in this game. So there's your preview. Giants-Eagles for Saturday night. want to squeeze in really quickly. Allen Annapolis. He's got a thought on uh, what we were just talking about, the, the Broncos lineman who hates the, the ring around the rosy play. What's up, Al? Yeah, um, I just I don't think it's I don't think it's dinosaurish. Um it's it's an AFC West rival. Um I hate the Chiefs. I'm a Broncos fan. I hate everything the Chiefs do too. So uh yeah, <laughs> That's I'd, true. I'd, I'd like it if he was particularly like bothered with that Bronco play though. <laughs> He was particularly angry that they ran a unique play that had never been done before. He's probably just sick of the Chiefs stomping on us all the time for the last 10 years. That I get. I can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a cutesy thing that got a lot of attention and anything that has to do with the Chiefs. We just hate it. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. I'd be sick of looking up at 14 wins a year and a bunch of AFC title games. But he didn't say, I'm so sick and tired of Patrick Mahomes being good. He's like, I got to be honest. I'm going to get this off my chest because I've just been wanting to say this. That ring around the rosy play that they ran really pissed me off personally. In a game that I wasn't in. You, guy, who has nothing to do with anything? That was a personal affront to you? Andy Reid was ready to call the play, and he goes, I don't know where Denver is today, but tell Quinn Mears that this is about to be for him. Like, this is for you, buddy. <laughs> what? <laughs> but I appreciate that call. And yeah, I get I got it covered. I it's know relatable it's like content, dude. To, yeah. to get your teeth kicked in for a bunch of years in your division by teams that are better than you. Grant and Danny on the fan taking you up to 6.30. In our final segment at 6 o'clock, we'll get you previews of the weekends ahead for the Wiz and the Caps. We'll get you some confidence points picks as well right here on the fan. We are putting together our confidence points picks for the top of the hour. When we get to those at 6 o'clock, the loser on the show having to do a punishment they do not want to do. 
we are nearing the stretch run here. You got this week, next week, and the Super Bowl. So just a total of 15 bets remaining. A lot of points on the line each and every week. Even though Ryan has a comfortable lead, I would say everyone's still at risk if they bomb a couple times of being in bad shape. So all it takes for an entertaining rest of the way and confidence points picks. So stay tuned. Top of the hour here on Grant and Danny on the fan. What's up? Chris is in Hyattsville. Hey, buddy. How are you? What's going on, guys? Hey, I just wanted to comment that uh, I thought that comment the guy made about the ring around the rosy play was ridiculous because it didn't actually affect the the play in any way. It was just kind of like a fun thing to do. And if you're upset about another team being creative, uh, you got bigger problems with your life. Although I do agree with what something the other caller said in that if there's something to be said about being irksome, like I literally hate everything Ronald Acuna does. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, the, the bat flips and everything. Right. He's a fantastic player. If he was on my team, I'd love him. In the same way that like, I actually love Tim Anderson, and he's just as annoying, but he doesn't play in my division. So I don't have the same He's not doing it to us. Him. Yeah, exactly. I, so I actually like that uh, way of localizing this a little bit. Point being, he doesn't hate the ring around the rosy play. He hates the Chiefs. Yes. And they were the ones that did the, the Chiefs ring around. Because the Chiefs did it. But yeah. Based on hearing what he said, my guess, and I've never even heard of this guy until this clip came out and went viral. I'll bet you if the Commanders or the Bears or the Lions or the Texans did the ring around the rosy play, you would have hated it too. In the same way that there's a baseball uh, fiefdom, I don't know the word, there's like a collection of baseball players who hate when a guy pimps a home run. Yeah. I think he hates the Chiefs having fun pre-snap. He hates the idea of Andy Reid going, how could we do something no one's ever done before? Let's get in the huddle, let's run around in a circle, and then let's spray out of the huddle so they don't know where everyone's going to line up. By the way, not the not the, the 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 swing around in a circle, doing the pocket full of posies or whatever type bit. Teams would 100% do that sometimes. What, what the conventional norm is, we get to line of scrimmage. One guy goes in motion. 900 signals are barked back and forth. Everyone right. has time to adjust. Sometimes... Hurry up, get to your spot, and go immediately. Yeah, it was Keep just, teams off balance. I'm 100% it, it in favor created of created chaos. Now, I think there was a penalty on the play. There was, yeah, it was negated. And so it came back, even though it was a touchdown, and then they would score again a couple plays later because they're the Chiefs. But, yeah, I just think in general, knocking innovation is, is lame. D.C. is the sportsbook capital of the world. Did you see that today over at FedEx Field, they cut the ribbon on the Fanatics sports book that we've been talking about. I did see that so just they, in time for anyway, but they cut it today. They cut it. Fanatics launching its first ever sports book. Uh, reading here from Axios. This makes DC the only U.S. city with an in venue sports book at every major stadium in or arena in the town. Think about that, man. DC is number one in America. I don't know, possibly the world in terms of. Markets, cities, for sports betting right now. FedEx Field, where the Commanders play, has the Fanatics Sportsbook as of today. It's open. You could be listening to us as you're making your bets right now. At Nats Park, I walk past it every single day, walking around the neighborhood, getting my steps in. They have the BetMGM Sportsbook, which is right across from Walters there by, uh, that would be kind of left field. Yeah, left center field kind of, yeah, yeah. By the center field gate. 
Capital One Arena, where the Wiz and the Caps play, has the Caesar Sportsbook, which is right next to the new Guy Fieri's joint. Have you been over to that uh, Guy Fieri spot yet? I have not been yet, no. Dude, it is really cool in there. So explain to me how it works. We did this when it first came out, but I've forgotten. So it used to be where the Green Turtle was yes. on that corner, right? Yes. So the, is the first floor where the sportsbook is, or is it the second floor? How, did, how does it work? Yes is the answer. So okay. you walk in where you would walk in at the Green Turtle. Uh-huh. Corner of the arena on, what is that, like 6th and F or whatever yes, that is right there? exactly. This, the, the sports book is actually next to the restaurant and bar. So there's a bunch of kiosks. You can go in. You can print your your everything you need. You can print your bets there. I believe you can also walk up and deal with the human being maybe inside as well. But it's directly next to it. Downstairs is like a couple of bars and just seating area like a restaurant. Upstairs is all the TVs that exist in North America in one room, basically. It's just wall-to-wall TVs. It's massive, thousands and thousands of square feet. It's just the idea is when there's a game on, hundreds of people sitting around with their friends on different couches and chairs watching all the screens. It's just crazy. I mean, yeah. it's really, really cool. They got party rooms I've seen up there. They have all kinds of stuff. But I've gone, I ate wings, and there's a burger the size of your head. Um, Those are my favorite kind. It was a really, really big burger, I could tell you. You don't want to eat that for lunch. That's like a, you haven't eaten lunch most and of nap. the day. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you don't want to just get that and then think about like going for a jog or something like that. But yeah, it's a really, really good spot at Cap 1 Arena. Caesar Sportsbook kind of connected to it. And then over at Audi Field, don't sleep. My FanDuel guys. FanDuel's got their sportsbook where D.C. United and the D.C. Defenders play. Now, where's that one in relation to Audi Field? So, I have not been at Audi Field since they opened it. I don't really know, but it is at slash connected to slash in Audi Adjacent Field. Adjacent to, yeah. So, yeah, it's part of the building. It's part of the facility. That is so cool. I'll tell you after game one for the D.C. Defenders when I go over there. Because uh, I'll go to that sports book. Yeah, I just the, realized like how Fandle, close all this is. Caesars, Bet MGM, and Fanatics all downtown and or land over Maryland, over by FedEx Field. It's not that far. Not in D.C., but we call it D.C., and it's the Commanders. But those other three, I mean, within I could throw a rock twice and hit it. Correct. All three of them. I'm trying to tell you. Sports betting capital of the world, Look bro. at us. Seven other in-venue sports books either opened or planned across four cities right now. Three in Phoenix, two in Chicago, one in Cleveland, one in New York. Think about how far ahead we are. Every arena, every stadium has a sports book. And right now there's like seven in the works in four towns. Phoenix is going to have one at State Farm Stadium uh, where uh, the Cardinals play, BetMGM. They're going to have a Chase Field, Caesars, Diamondbacks, and then Footprint Center, FanDuel. That's where the Suns and the Mercury play. Nothing at Mullet Arena? Believe it or not, no. No. Hmm. That's on a college campus. That's ah, probably right. some kind of rule. Right. United Center has FanDuel with the Bulls and the Blackhawks, Wrigley Field, DraftKings with the Cubs, and then United awaiting gaming license, Wrigley set to open this spring. Kind of cool. That is really neat. Cleveland, Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. Caesars, I never thought I'd Cavaliers. see it, by the way. I didn't either, but overnight, too. Yeah. Now, now, it's, now it's so commonplace and routine that I think younger people, like yourself and, and others, sort of like, yeah, this is just what's happening. Like, I, I remember when this people were terrified. Like, the idea of, like, gambling and sports being together, like, it, it was it was so unbelievably, we had to, we have to keep them at the opposite ends of the gym. Otherwise, they might dance together. And remember, it was only, well, how many years ago was it that the NFL was like, no, Tony Romo, you can't go to the foot fantasy football convention. And now they're like, pick them up. Like, let's all do, let's put them right in the arena. Just crazy to me. That's all. 
Grant and Danny on the fan with you until 6.30 this evening. Top of the hour, we're previewing the weeks ahead for the Wiz and the Caps. We'll give you our picks for the NFL playoff games as well right here on G&D. Yeah, all right, Danny? No, I just hate it. Why? I just hate it. It's just not, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just, I hate feeling so stupid. I hate when everyone just jargons it up around me. You know, and like, it's so casual for them. And it's so effortless. It's so intuitive. <laughs> None of it's for me at all. I suck at it. It just, I, it's the worst feeling in the world. We're like, I'm holding everyone else up. You know what I mean? You yeah, guys I, are like having a conversation. The feeling you're talking about yeah. because I was, you know, in Spanish class. I hate it. I just stopped taking Spanish classes because I couldn't do it, and the teacher would ask me questions in Spanish. It's the worst feeling in the world. Every single class, every single time I walked in, she would say something in Spanish, and she would just be looking at me, and I knew she was talking to me. She's looking at me. But I had no idea what she was saying, and everyone else would answer and talk to her, and I just I wasn't doing that. So eventually I just said, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> and then someone said, you can't get your degree. And I said, but I'm still not doing this. And that's kind of the standoff that we're still in to this <laughs> we, day. We are still doing it. There are nine credits shy of a degree from George Mason University. I believe is it all, all Spanish? All nine of those credits might have been Espanol, yeah. So I think I've overtold the story before on the air, but uh, I took all of my years of Spanish in high school at, uh, at you know at Sonoma, and I was like the requirement at the George Washington University was either you get through four years or four whatever four semesters or whatever four credit years, whatever the damn thing is, I can't remember what it's called. Or if you passed out of like the first couple of years, you could take two, like a couple semesters or like two semesters of a, like a foreign culture class or something like that. So it's like, well, I'm decent at Spanish. I got through Spanish four in high school. So if I have to do one semester of Spanish in college, that'll be it. My requirement will be done. That's awesome. So I went and took the test, the written test. And like I wrote fine and everything. And the teacher was like, Danny, you write as if you sp- spoke in Spanish your entire life. If you speak close to the way you write, you'll be able to pass out of Spanish entirely. Just one less class I'll have to take for four semesters, right? How awesome is this? And she goes, De donde vives? And I was like, Yo vivo en McLean. Te gustas? Si. Por qué? Um, es próximo a Washington. Like she was like, Stop. Did you cheat? Did you write this? Like well, you, you, have, you sound like you've lot. never you spoken. Just, like used an app or something. No, I mean, we didn't have any apps. Seventeen-year-old me. You put it into the little website that spits out the Spanish. I'm sure that existed in in the, the summer of '97. It's a lock. It existed. I couldn't speak at all, and she was like, "You're in Spanish one." I was like, "Oh crap!" <laughs> Should have just stuck with yeah. the writing instead of passing out of it. I had. I was like, "You know what? I'll take. I'll do the other one." A commander's offensive coordinating search is underway, and they've been interviewing candidates the last few days. I want to reiterate, though, that I do like how thorough this search has been. We told you that Studesville is going to interview on Monday. He's the running backs coach with the Miami Dolphins, and they have added another player uh, option, I should say, and a former player as well to the list, and Thomas Brown, who is an assistant with the Rams, running backs coach, former running back at Georgia, just 36 years old, Georgia native. Uh, on Sean McVay's staff. I like the way they're going about this. The good thing for them, Danny, is they're not in much of a rush for yep. a couple of reasons. There are way fewer head coaching openings this year than there have been in the past. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's seven, eight, nine. This year, there's four or five, right? So I think that that's a big deal. If there were nine OC openings, you probably have to move pretty quickly to get your guy. Because there's only a few, 
they can be a little bit more choosy and and I think take their time and let the process play out. They're also there's a really good job in LA, obviously, but there aren't that many openings for teams that just fired OCs where they already have a coach. So you have to wait for basically hiring your head coach, them to put a staff together. Like they're going to be ahead of all those teams in the process, and I think that's why they're able to to move along methodically here. So beyond that, they're in a tier where nobody's. You know, there's it's not like there's a line of people around the block to see what Pat Shermer's up to. That's fair too. You know, and I'm not I trying to be a guy disrespectful. Like Thomas Brown, though, yeah, and, and Charles London, like those type of guys, could probably get other interviews. Sure, in they fact, be London is getting other slightly interviews. more in demand. But but you see where I'm going with that? It, it's basically like because you're in this tier, interview everybody, talk to as many people as humanly possible, find out what everyone else thinks of you, right? Find. I'm hoping that through this interview process. Yeah, maybe it's not a good idea to run the ball 45 times when you've got three great receivers. Maybe somebody gives you a detail that helps you. I'm all in favor of if you don't have a, a superstar in waiting, talk to everybody, man. It, it, what's the real difference between, and again, maybe one of these guys turns out to be a star. What's the difference between, I don't know, uh, uh, Pat Shermer and Ken Zampezi? What's the real difference in terms of boots on the ground for a guy that's probably going to be here for one year calling plays? Not much. If you lose out on one because you had to talk to somebody else, Eh, so be it. Now, if you got a stud, then you may you need to get that guy locked up ASAP. I'm surprised. I'm, I'm tweeting with people at Grand H. Paulson and Danny's at Funny Danny. With the number of people that are surprised how expensive it is to go out to eat. It started because uh, one of my uh, my guys that I follow on Twitter was saying uh-huh. he was surprised how, like how much mozzarella co- uh, sticks cost somewhere. And I'm like, you've been out to eat lately? You can't get anything for cheap. You can't get an appetizer. You've been out of your house. Ten bucks. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I go to breakfast in a place down here in the, in the neighborhood a couple days a week. With tip, it's like 28 bucks for eggs, bacon, uh-huh. side of sausage, a couple pieces of toast, and some home fries. It is so expensive to eat anywhere right now. 100%. Yeah, so it's not, it's not even just restaurants. It's grocery stores. Everything. Everything costs a lot right now. I took the kids out with uh, the wife this weekend. We went to a, a place near our house that we like to go to. We got wings. I got them burgers and ten, a, a burger and tender off the kids menu, and then I think me and my wife got you know whatever entrees we mm-hmm. got. It was like seventy some bucks. Yeah, just a little place next to our house. Everything is expensive. You know what gets you is when people in the party are wine people. Just, well, just that's a whole. It, it just turns it into such a shebangus. Yeah, couple cocktails. Oh, out in the city. Yeah, you're paying a pretty penny. All right, we got weekend previews for the Wiz and the Caps and our confidence points picks next on Grant and Danny. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.